1: And those relaxing
2: vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: Welcome to the North Podcast, 755. Whoa. That's right, man. That's a lot. It is a lot of podcasts. Wow. I don't know how we do it. Everybody I don't know how you do it. You do, I feel like you do that many episodes of podcasts this week. Uh, this week I'm only recording eight. Well, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> there it is Corkboard. it is, Community Corkboard. Here's Katie Levine.
3: Well, first of all, I just want to tell people to listen to the You Made It Weird episode with Flanagan, who owns Largo. Yes. It came out oh last week. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. It's so good. He tells this crazy murder story. Like It was phenomenal. And then uh, Pete's girlfriend, uh, Valerie, she sat in on it. And she also, I wanted to plug some for her. She works for this nonprofit called uh, Real Girls, and they help empower girls. And they have, like, you know, special programs for them. But they are hosting a evening of powerful women arm wrestling for the empowerment of girls. Keegan-Michael Key, Mary Beth Monroe, and Emily Gordon are all judging. And all the proceeds go to the Real Girl Empowerment Program. It's Monday, November 16th at 7 p.m. at the Bootleg Theater in L.A. And you can find out more information by going to a n e a b o g u
1: e dot com.
2: Excellent, thank you, Katie Levine, Matt Myra. Yes, sir. Which one of your multitude of podcasts well, might people want to listen to? Here's this the week? deal. I need I need some help from our
3: nerdist fans. Yes, I would like them to go. If you have half a second in your in your in your in your day, and you have you know like mm, I don't know three hundred megabytes of spare space on your computer. Go on to iTunes. Look up the Make Tech Human podcast. It's a podcast I did for Nokia and Wired magazine. And uh, want to get the numbers up a little bit right now. We've got eight episodes out so far. Really interesting conversations. With uh, just last week, I talked to the guy who founded Duolingo and invented oh, Captchas. Awesome! I love
1: that app. Oh,
2: that's a uh, Louis Louis Fanon. Correct.
3: Yes, I know. Yes, uh, yes, Louis yes, Fanon, yes. Uh, He was amazing. Uh, Monica Lewinsky, John Ronson. We have a lot of interesting people on there talking about sort of technology and humanity, sort of bridging that gap. Uh, but I would just like it if you guys could download it. I don't care if you listen to it. What's it called again? <laughs> Make Tech Human. You should listen to it. I think it sounds fantastic. Human. I think it sounds fantastic. It's great. I mean, all I'm asking, literally all I'm asking, <laughs> is that you hit the subscribe button and download all the episodes that are out. I wanna. You should go to the Apple Store and just download. No, it here's Apple what features. I want to see. I want to see how. I want to see if the if the Nerdist listeners can get. I know the exact number we're at right now, and I want to see. This comes out tomorrow, right? So this this is a Wednesday. Yep. What else are you doing on a Wednesday? Just download this. I want to see if I can spike the numbers. Okay. And if you uh, are so inclined, please listen. If you don't feel like listening to it, delete it immediately after you've downloaded it. What a low impact request. That's all I want you to do, guys. If you could just please help me with those numbers, I would be thrilled. So would Nokia. So would Wired. You and can make it Matt's wedding present. He just got back from his honeymoon. Guys, make it his wedding please. present.
2: Just download it. Make Tech Human. Make Tech Human. Presented it's by Nokia and Wired and Matt Enabled Wira. by Wired. Yes. All right. This episode is Nico Case, uh, who is fucking rad. My internet wife. It, she is... Fu- I, I. You know, the first time she came on, I always knew she was funny. I didn't know how funny she was and how amazing. And then she was on At Midnight, and she won. And so we got her back. She's promoting her career retrospective box set entitled Truck Driver Gladiator Mule. Goes on sale November 13th. Uh, and you, should, fantastic title. Isn't it's that great. great? I love fantastic that title. title. She's the best. She's the best. She's probably in Vermont right now. She might be in Vermont to growing dog. tomatoes right now. Yep. Just recording music. Uh, so this is Nico Case Returns episode. This is the Nerdist Podcast number 755. Nico Case Returns. Da, 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 da. Katie, roll the thing.
0: Now entering Nerdist.com.
2: That's your
4: chair. I'm just assuming the position.
2: That's your microphone. We're in. It's happening. We raced in from the outside. It rained for five minutes and I already started complaining. God damn. I mean, and we desperately need the water in this mm. fucking part you of the do. state. You do. And uh, but in five minutes, I was like, oh, fuck. Ah. And meanwhile, other parts of the country are, are swimming through their streets.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We get spoiled here, but you can come in. There's no way to ruin the podcast. Okay, There's no way. It is, it is unruinable. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm really glad you're back on, though, because uh, you, you. you were so fucking funny the last time you came. And then you were great on At Midnight, too.
4: That was, I'll have to give it all to Matt on that one.
2: No. Nope. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. You but were great.
4: You, but you had that dude show up in the shirt. Like, that was the biggest coup ever.
2: <laughs> it was a good... Uh, I feel like...
4: Joe Manganella is that his name?
2: Joe Manganella.
4: Joe Manganella, that's right.
2: Yeah. I feel like there are so many more comedy opportunities for you that you you I mean, maybe you're just letting them go. What what when how am I going to convince you to pursue more comedy stuff?
4: Uh I don't know. Is
2: that you mulling it over?
4: <laughs> no, I'm trying to take the compliment like a graceful adult Oh, instead going- of
2: being like, no, shut up. Do you know how many people I've told your description of Dolly Parton is still such an amazingly succinct? You referred to Dolly Parton a couple of years ago as a benevolent laser.
4: She is a benevolent laser. <laughs> she can make the highest sounds.
2: Still? Yeah.
4: And who can play instruments with nails? As, I mean, I guess you can use them as the picks, but still, she still has to fret with a hand. Yeah. And has those fucking things. I don't know how she does it.
2: I think when you've been playing for you know like forty, fifty years.
4: Oh, she could do that early on.
2: Yeah, yeah.
4: She's a freak in nature. I think is what it is. And still touring in a good way.
2: And now Kenny Rogers is about to retire.
4: Um.
2: I heard. I heard he was going to retire after he was going to do a tour and then he was going to be going to quit.
4: I didn't know he wasn't retired. <laughs> Only because I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame and there was a big Kenny rogers exhibit and i thought oh i I guess that just makes you think people are retired for some reason which isn't i don't know why i thought that
2: and you were like that wax figurine looks real and he was like excuse me i'm kenny rogers and then it, it was actually
4: him i was more amazed by his uh owning his own race car phase Oh. Which I want to get to that part of my career where I own my own race car. You want race car fame? I've never been that famous. I want race car fame. (laughs) I want to be at the part in my career where I'm kind of flagging, so I get a race car. Now,
2: is it you sponsoring a race car or your own race car to drive around? Is it like a Nico Case car? I drive
4: it and I sponsor it along with mayonnaise or whoever else sponsors it. Right, you and I hate mayonnaise, actually, but...
2: You and Mustard.
4: Mustard and I are going to go, yeah.
2: (laughs) case and french's mustard.
4: I fucking love mustard and, un- and vinegar-based condiments. Yeah, oh, general. I
2: am way with you on vinegar as uh malt vinegar, uh, salt and vinegar, mm-hmm. are my favorite mm-hmm. chips. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm not a uh I like yellow mustard and I like the brown, I like the brown mustard, but then that's about it.
4: You don't like the seed mustard? I mean, I like it oh, in theory. So good.
2: But then it just yeah, just like like the seeds, the texture of it, I don't, I don't love.
4: I think it's a, I don't like fish, and I've never put caviar in my mouth ever. No, but I would assume that that's probably what people like about it is the seeds go
2: maybe <laughs> seeds know. you mean the eggs of the caviar the
4: mustard eggs the mustard explode eggs explode in your mouth yeah and of the of create the mus- create a tidal wave of flavors the, in,
2: the infamous mustard fish
4: earthy flavors
2: <laughs> lays its <laughs> eggs <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> on, onto a it golden
4: deposits its spawn <laughs> on your tongue
2: <laughs> directly that's got and it good.
4: doesn't it doesn't and they can't reproduce unless you smash them against the roof of your mouth and fully taste them.
2: <laughs> That's how they reproduce? So then another fish has to come in and jizz in your mouth and then you spit it out and then there's fish babies?
4: Um, I think they might be one of those kinds of fish that they're just self-fertilizing. Oh, right, right,
2: right, right, right. Asexual like a, reproduction. Like a yeah.
4: male seahorse Yeah, or no, I think
2: you might be right. I think you might be right.
4: Budding, uh, Maybe.
2: I uh, the idea of squishing thousands of tiny little eggs in my teeth is mm-hmm. and you know and I eat meat but there's just something about that that yeah. I can't get my head I can't get my head and around. the
4: roof of your mouth feels like a tiny little rib cage like, <laughs> mm, just breaking rib, them all
2: up a rib a rib cage that smells like an aquarium where you just yeah. where it just tastes like like that beach ah.
4: that's where the mustard comes in to clean
2: yeah it comes in the mustard fish comes in to clean all the fish mm-hmm. taste out of your mouth that's right. I feel like someone should animate this process and then send it to us.
4: If they if you could just get it right out of my brain right now, I can see it. So <laughs> and, and maybe this is
2: a video for a song that you has yet to be released. Maybe a Nico Case joint would I
4: think be- it kind of has to be they would have to resurrect um the uh oh what is it? The Fabulous Misadventures of Flapjack. They would have to kind of resurrect that show. What was that? It was that show that that Thurup Van Orman guy had about the little kid. Oh. And, and the And the pirate guy who was played by Brian Doyle Murray in his greatest, finest role of all time. That's and they right. lived in the ma- whale's mouth. Got it. Got it. got it. I just picture the top of the whale's mouth. Do you know Thurup? I, no, I don't.
2: Oh. Oh, he worked, I did a cartoon with him a while ago. I just, he seems like, I feel like you guys would be friends.
4: Well, I definitely probably would be if I lived in his neighborhood or something, but
2: I live live
4: far, I live so far away from anyone who even thinks about making cartoons. You've heard
2: about electronic mail, right? I mean, there are ways that you can keep in contact with people sometimes.
4: Yeah, that's true. I just mean, there's not a lot of people, you know. Making cartoons on their tractors in my neighborhood.
2: Do you live on a full on? farm? I live on a
4: full on farm.
2: Are you an? Are you a like for real deal farmer?
4: No, because I don't sell my produce. But I give. I give it to restaurants because it's not in its professional stages. It's kind of in its early stages. Like I don't really have time to do that full time. So.
2: So you just give you just grow stuff and then you yeah. give it to the restaurants.
4: Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. What for are you, now, what are you growing? Tomatoes are my my main love, but the tropics of Vermont make it a little hard. So <laughs> like you'll have a really good year and then there'll be a year where some asshole, you know, puts a bunch of box store gross tomatoes in somebody's compost, and then you get blight and then all your tomatoes die and then I need a greenhouse is what I'm saying. I to feel you. like it's almost a, I
2: feel like it's almost a metaphor for uh, arts in a way, you know, like the tomatoes, you have to wait all year, you know, you wait all year and then you find out, oh, they're all fucked, you know, like what did yeah, it's and like you, and you,
4: you could- see the fruit and they're, they're the most beautiful things and there's so many and then all of a sudden they're all brown and moldy and weird and you're like, thanks, man,
2: yeah, <laughs> thanks, nature,
4: that was so much work and yeah, I, I'm- but
2: you could spend an entire year making an album and then you put it out and it's like, what happened, you know, or yay. You just never... It's
4: not as disappointing to have a record flop as it is <laughs> to have your tomatoes fail, And I can say that with experience. Like, Why do you think that is? Ba- like, they're your babies. It's all cold and wintry out. And you're in your little weird hut that you plant your seeds in. And you're freezing. And it's 17 below. And you got your heaters out. And your lights on. You know, because it's fucking April and it's still like that.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> and... Uh, you grow them from little babies and you have the fans on them. So they blow their little bodies, blow around and they build their little plant muscles. And there's just so much consideration that goes into it. And then you got to not water them from the top and it's, they're just really bitchy. But then when they start to grow and they have those hairs that smell like tomatoes and there's lycopene everywhere, you just feel like a fucking superhuman. That's in, great. In a, you know, a dream.
2: I guess no tomato crop has ever been killed by some wannabe writer for Pitchfork either, who was who just wrote a, a bad blog post about like as could happen with an album.
4: Yeah, well, I don't know if they're capable of killing an album either, but the don't blog you, writers. I but mean. don't you think
2: there's a? I feel like there's this kind of mythos that you know there's this stratum of there's a stratum of the blo- this this blogosphere that you know if the right handful of people like something then it's going to be okay and if if they don't like it then it doesn't really you feel like that's not the case anymore
4: no i just don't have any idea because i'm so far removed from it i don't know i don't don't ever read music press at all
2: i mean why would you what would be the point
4: well, I mean, there was a there was a New York Times in the van on the way over here that announced Joanna Newsom's new record, and I was like, "Oh, Joanna Newsom put out a new record, that's cool." But I wouldn't go looking for that kind of stuff. I kind of wait for it to come to me in this weird way. So I'm kind of the lame person that people would have to reach outside the blogosphere. I feel like that's not lame at all. I, I feel
2: know. like it's so, it's, it's very tempting to get caught up in all of the, what are people saying, what am I yeah. saying? but then it just i don't know if you ever really win anything when you find out
4: you don't you kind of don't but at the same time if if i didn't produce my own records and i wasn't there for every step of it i might feel compelled to know what other people say yeah but I checked off on everything before it came out so at that point I'm like I don't care. <laughs> you know? If you don't like it, you don't you don't have to, you know, not everybody likes everything. That does not hurt my feelings. Um and some people just honestly they just like to write about themselves. So then there's that. So you want to ignore that and then I don't know there's just so many weird things to think about. I don't know that is music writing really an art anymore? Was it ever? People say that, but I I only feel, I kind of like things written by the artists themselves later, but I'm not so crazy about like, like for example, like those things like the Legs McNeil, Please Kill Me book. That mm-hmm. just seemed like a super cunty hanger on, like I rode in their van once, like I saw them do drugs. Like it just seemed like this really bitchy, who's sucking, who's dick, who's doing drugs and for someone like me like i really wanted to know how the records were made i really wanted to know you know i wanted to know like what posters were up in their practice space you know it's (laughs) like i don't care about the drug scene really and they kind of make make it about that and i remember he had some really bitchy little dismissal of patty smith and I was like, well, that's weird. But then reading what she writes about herself and the scene at that time, legitimately, I really like it. And I feel like I'm actually getting something out of it. Because it's it's
2: all her point of view.
4: Yeah, it's not like a... I don't know, I never trust those books that other people write about the bands, ever.
2: Like an unauthorized biography?
4: Yeah. Because, you know, I could read about Louis Armstrong, but... Reading his book about the early part of his life in New Orleans was so much more mesmerizing because the stuff like his early jobs and like the scenery and the people around him at the time meant so much more to him than somebody who would be writing about it. Like, those are the kind of things that I think he wanted to get into his music. Whereas, if you didn't ask Louis Armstrong and you just decided what you thought it was about, right, it kind of wouldn't really be the real thing. But then again, you know. I'm probably a dick about that because I just (laughs) want to swat them away like, you're not doing it. You didn't plug that in. Fuck off.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
4: then there's music journalism that's really great where people are saying what's around and what's coming out and they're excited. And so I don't know. I need music journalism and I I respect that, but I don't go looking for it because I don't want to be a snob about it. And I don't, I don't want to worry about it. And I can I just don't have time. Like I remember when I left Seattle, I think around 98, I think the stranger in Seattle, which was this paper I loved had turned into the weirdest, bitchiest, you know, gossip rag. And it was purposefully mean. And that's how they were getting readers and getting attention. And I just thought, who are you people? You weren't the people I grew up with who wanted nothing more than to make music and thought it was a great thing. But really they just didn't.
2: Yeah, it's just it's sort of a cheap and that still That's happens. Gross. I mean that still happens and it's I think it's sort of a cheap cuz I think it's it's incredibly easy to tear anything down. It's much harder mm-hmm. to build things. And so yeah. when people take the easier out of like, "Well, I'm just going to tear this thing down and then a bunch of people who are wannabes who aren't doing their own thing but just sort of bitter at the world then come on and like, yeah, fuck everything. Mm It's like, well, what Mm -hmm. if you, you could use that energy and do something constructive or positive. I know Mm -hmm. it's effort and it sucks, but wouldn't that be more rewarding to do it that way?
4: It would. And And there are a lot of writers out there who love music and they compare and contrast and make connections and that stuff's great.
2: Who takes care of your tomatoes if you're on tour though?
4: My neighbor Dave.
2: Oh, Dave!
4: Dave is right on.
2: That's pretty rad.
4: Yeah, and he takes it very personally if a plant dies. So, well,
2: it's important important that he cares about it. In your corner, you want him to care about it as much as you care about Mm -hmm.
4: it. It's basically his garden too. We just kind of share it because, obviously, I'm not home.
2: Are tomatoes the main crop? Is there anything else?
4: Mm -hmm. Well, no, but. If I could get a good greenhouse system going and if we ever legalize marijuana, I would grow that.
2: You would grow tomatoes in pot?
4: Yeah. But not because I want to smoke it, because I have absolutely no interest in it that way. Just as a fiber.
2: What if you cross what if you made like uh pot tomatoes?
4: People would probably really enjoy that. Don't you think? Yes, I do.
2: I mean, like a like a, BL, a THC BLT.
4: Like oh no people question would absolutely no question it would probably be fine but unless you were me who pot <laughs> makes me a apoplectic cunt but it's not i'm not really supposed to be that guy ever and i don't want to do that to other people but i don't mind watching other people do it but yeah, i haven't done it since really
2: the early my... 2000s it just made me really paranoid i didn't yeah, enjoy it i was I really hungry
4: like and i was angry and then I, I had a little bit of a tantrum, and then I had to go to sleep. <laughs> and then the next day, it was like the worst PMS of my life. Like, I'd like a, I'd like a double greasy order of hash browns and a Coca-Cola, please. And then I don't remember what happened after that.
2: Well, what happened is that you, sweat. you said, I'm never going to do this I just again. said,
4: that's basically the dumbest thing I ever did.
2: I think I'm super lucky that I didn't take to it because you know i know people who get anxious which you know i get sometimes it's be like people love it for to just sort of take the edge off mm-hmm. that for whatever reason my brain chemistry just it doesn't work that way no. but if it did i think oh man i would be such a huge stoner if
4: I, I... know <laughs> i feel i feel i'm sure part of my snubbery of pot culture is to do with jealousy right a little bit but um yeah, I, I can't imagine it. If I had, I don't even know what I would use to take the edge off. But if I had it, I would use it. I would abuse it constantly. How long have you been on the
2: farm? Mm,
4: since two thousand seven, but two thousand ten full time. But
2: you've been oh, you've been there for a while. So do yeah. you? Do you like? Is that where you write? Do you write on the farm, or do you go into a studio and start writing? Do you need like a? a
4: oh, I do both. I'll write anywhere. I have a practice base in town too. Not here, but in the town of St. Johnsbury, Vermont. Nice. Everyone's heard of it.
2: Um, (laughs) They will now. Tomato capital of the world.
4: Yeah, all the six tomato plants I grew this year. People are (laughs) flocking from miles around. Um, uh, Yeah, I'll write anywhere. So um, I get lots of pieces together. And then the band will come in later and we'll kind of make them into songs. But I should be doing that right now.
2: But you came here instead.
4: I did. You know why? This is funner than sitting by myself in a room in my underwear going, should I drink the Coke in the minibar? <laughs> I really want to drink that Coke in the minibar. But it's right like $12 now. for that little Coke. No, because it'll make me crazy and I'll blow it up into a weird water ballooned creature.
2: Well, you can write about that. No. No? Okay. I, I, uh, I listen to your stuff pretty nonstop. As a matter of fact, I just had your—I had an Apple Music channel on today you know, when, when I was getting ready for my show. But you're on pretty – I make playlists every year and you're on almost every year. You're on a playlist somewhere.
4: Thank you. But
2: I do have a question. I guess I yeah. could have looked this up on the internet. What but are you why? singing at the end of Dirty Knife? What are you singing? It, it doesn't. Oh, it's,
4: it's Ukrainian. Ah, that's it, why I couldn't yeah. identify the words. It, it's just Ukrainian for the blood runs crazy with giant strides. Oh, you're just, Oh, sorry. Did you not know, no, know that, that makes me
2: so happy? I didn't know that. You're just repeating the English lyrics in Ukrainian yes. at the end, but yeah. it sounds like this phantasmic lullaby. Oh, you just told, you just like popped an emotional zit for me. That makes me so happy Shoot. to know that. <laughs> what made you decide that to drop a Ukrainian bomb at the end of that?
4: Um, cause in the story it's happening to Ukrainians who live in America, uh, that that record, I was basically working on making up new world fairy tales um, for immigrants from other places, mm-hmm. and uh, that one is based on a true family story, which I can neither confirm nor deny, because I don't really know all the details, but apparently a couple people in my family went crazy in their house, and uh, it's because there was some sort of poisoning in the well, some sort of heavy metal lead poisoning or something and they went crazy gradually and gradually and gradually-er and then uh, they burned the furniture inside for heat. Oh my God. And so then they had to be taken to the sanitarium, sanitarium, I guess? sanatorium. Sure. I don't know. I was never told the end of that story, so <laughs> there's go, no way to know. And I'll, all the people who did know are dead. So I'm like, well, there you go. But I mean, there's not really a concrete ending, which makes the story still kind of compelling to me. It's oh, very yeah. Sad, you know, that's a terrible thing to happen. But what, going mad inside your own house
2: was, and not really understanding why, and there, there's there's yeah, no real that's terrible. At the time, they probably weren't going well. The wells probably poisoned. They they had yeah. probably thought they were cursed or. Something shitty was happening.
4: God knows what they were thinking. But it would uh, definitely be a very Eastern European thing to decide that they had done bad or, you know, there were tiny little demons in the house uh, tormenting them or I don't know. But there would also be a funny element to it.
2: So had you planned that out, so just to sort of understand your writing process a little bit, had you planned that out, or did you get to a certain point in the song where you thought, "Oh, you know, actually it might sound cool if we just throw I mean in other words, how intentional is it when you're recording? Do you know exactly what you're doing when you're going to record, or do you just fuck around as you're recording? go let's try this. This might be weird and fun
4: i I come in kind of half baked and then it kind of forms itself out like sometimes i I don't think I ever have gone into a song or gone in with a song that was fully, fully, fully formed at the end. You know, we'll have bed tracks and the bass and drums and guitar are kind of the solids. But then you add weird things over top of that.
2: Yeah. And then do you ever – is there ever a consideration of, well, if I do – that, if this goes too much in this direction, this is going to be difficult to recreate live. Or do you feel like, you know, it's okay to have simpler live versions of songs versus oh, yeah. like really – produced stuff.
4: Oh yeah, a lot a lot of people don't realize that you know how the camera adds 10 pounds. <laughs> the studio takes away a lot of pounds. So you got to really put a lot of things on to create the same sounds as people on stage. Actually, it's more like the other way. It's it's more like you need less people live to make a huge sound than you do on a record, I think. And you can make a huge sound with fewer people, but the dynamics of my own voice or whatever i i tend to go in the more experimental direction that isn't edgy or experimental just trying different things and adding things on kind of orchestrally or collagey and then taking things away yeah which i like to do but it's it's really hard to be in a studio and not want to try all the bells and whistles you know it's like well if we can put a tack gambler piano on there from 1920 (laughs) why wouldn't we want to just do a pass of that you know and and digital technology has made limitless amounts of tracks so it's not like you're limited to 16 or 24 anymore so it gets a little uh unicorny in there and i
2: for the i just a a friend of mine who's a a a complete devotee of 80s music 70s and 80s music she's my, my friend april richardson is like the biggest morrissey fan and like follows morrissey on tour everywhere loves like a, 80s music and 70s stuff and we were touring and so we were listening we were listening to queen and i go oh i think my favorite song is probably the prophet song and she'd never heard the prophet song do you know the do you know the prophet song
4: not by title but i'm sure i do
2: um it's the one where in the middle of the song there's what just, record is it on it's i think it's on a night at the opera it's on an okay. opera. So there's this weirdo breakdown in the middle of the song where I, I don't know if this actually happened or if this was just a myth. But my but you know my friend said uh, yeah I, you know I heard Freddie Mercury just locked himself in the studio and just built the it is a it's an insane track of just his voice and he, it's almost like he was experimenting to see how many of his own voice he could layer on top of his voices mm-hmm. and it's completely – it's fucking incredible, and he's experimenting with left and right channels and filling out the sound. And
4: I dude, was... you got to get Roy Thomas Baker in here. Okay, he's on Twitter. I th- I think he might even live in Los Angeles, but he loves to talk about the vocal layerings of Queen. <laughs> dude, you got to get him in here. He's a genius. Could we talk and about that geniuses. for an hour. Fuck yeah, you could talk about that for an hour. I mean. I like Night at the Opera. It's not the I I know sheer heart attack and Queen two back to back every single sound over and over and over again, and there's a lot of moments like that on those two, and so obviously those moments make me hold my hands together like Ming the Merciless or something. I'm like, tell me more about how you did these things.
2: Yes, another Queen tie-in. You so just just, just purely
4: selfishly, if if we could get Roy Thomas Baker in here and we could just. For like 29 hours or something straight. Yes,
2: but then you would have to be Break here and you would have to help me. You could basically fine. interrogate him.
4: That's fine. I then what happened? I think he might like that. I mean, when you hear stuff, I'm just guessing, but.
2: I mean, I almost think, sometimes I think limitations are actually better. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so when you say like, oh, well, you know, we have all the resources in the world, digital, we have all this endless, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes I feel like that's a hindrance because it Option doesn't. anxiety. Well, kind of. I mean, you don't. It doesn't really force you to have to be. You know, when you have limitations, you have to be creative. Oh well, we don't really. We can't really make. We're going to have to put this in the left channel and this in the right channel to create this, as opposed to just oh, now you can just like you know. Mm -hmm. So how do you? How do you kind of dig an extra layer deeper? How do you force yourself to push boundaries when it just seems like it's only like going to Google? I'm glad you
4: asked that, Chris, because. I am the limitations. <laughs> <laughs> so I custom. show up I show up with that. <laughs> and then I am liberated by the Batwing uh Glockenspiel piano Work around with, me with orchestra bells in it. I don't know. Yeah, work around me.
2: Are you good with uh do you Do you produce any of your own stuff or do you constantly... I produce all of it. You produce all Mm -hmm. of your own stuff. Not
4: Not alone, because that's one thing that has always bothered me since I started making music, which is what does the producer do? Who is the producer? And it's very different in the world of, you know, big money. And, you know, if you send all the tracks to someone and you go, do with it what you will, wizard, and they go do it, but... Everybody who's contributed something to the recording has made choices about sound and that is also production. So you got to give everyone credit for that. And then there are the people who just pay for it. But me, I have musical things I do and I write and I sing and I play instruments and then I have limited amounts of engineering and then the actual decisions about what sounds need to go where I can do that easily and with relish, but I don't do any of those things alone because it's boring as fuck. <laughs> and I really need someone there to be the voice of reason or even sometimes you know how when you look at the color red for too long and you close your eyes and you see green. Sure. Your ears become saturated in the same way that like your eye cones or whatever those are become saturated and after a while you just can't hear certain frequencies anymore or you've heard somebody something so many times if you were to describe how the sound looked it would look like a tv screen of news where somebody's face is scrambled right you're like how is that guitar solo with that you know thing right there and all you would see was a digital uh cloud and so you got to ask the person next to you could you help me with that because i have no i've no judgment left in my body, and I need some guidance here. My
2: brain's turned to melted chocolate
4: yeah, and you and you try to do that for each other and get ideas from each other, whoever the each other may be, one person, two people so
2: You really better trust those people too yeah
4: well you know if you if you hire people who are really great at what they do in the first place, there's very little direction you have to give them. They just come in and wipe it all over and you're like, well, that is a fucking Picasso. Thank you.
2: (laughs) What's your goal each time you go into the studio? Do you have different goals? Is it just like, oh, I'm just ready to purge a bunch, you know? Nope.
4: Just make, uh, I'm not prolific. I'm very, very precise about like, this is what needs to happen. Some people can go in and just whip that shit out like, oh, this is a sketch of how I was feeling after my divorce. (laughs) uh, You know, I can't, I just can't, throw things away like that not throw them away but throw them out there i'm not prolific at all so i get into a i'd burrow into my um magic mountain and (laughs) do lots of seances and no um it would work i i just I, i i focus really really hard on really tiny things for a long time and then have to go away and then i come back and then have to go away and come back and some things come really easily, but a lot of times there's a lot of consideration.
2: Are there things that you write that?
4: That didn't answer your question. It did at answer all, my did question, it? actually. I'm yeah, sorry. it
2: did answer my question.
4: I'm a little tangenty today. I don't mean to be. You can be whatever you want. I'm a little this worn is- out because I've been. On planes a lot, so. I want
2: you to know something. This is your time.
4: No, it's about this is you. Our time.
2: It's our time, but it's mainly about you, and you can be as You're tangential. You're wearing a blazer. I'm wearing. Yes, I'm snazzy. You
4: had intention when you left your house today.
2: Well, I was shooting a TV show, so I know. If I just came over in wardrobe, not. Th- I mean, of course, I would dress up for you.
4: My intention was cover your shocking body <laughs> and take it out in public <laughs> in a way that is palatable for everyone. <laughs> I mean you, that's confidence and you're here with intention. I am
2: forced to dress this way by, by design of my job. I mean, like I, it's funny if you were to go to my house, my closet has more t-shirts than you've ever seen in one place and work is where all the suits are. And it started to get to a point where if I'm wearing a t-shirt, people go, oh, I'm not used to seeing you wear a t-shirt. And I feel like, oh, well, that's all I would wear if I could do that all the time.
4: But at least you can do both. I'm at the point where I just, if I don't look like I cleaned the barn, I feel weird. <laughs> lipstick, forget it. People are looking at my face. can't handle it.
2: You don't need, fuck all that stuff. I know, Doesn't
4: fuck matter. all that stuff, but sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's fun to put on lipstick and go out and dress up or, or, you know, lipstick, no lipstick, dressing up in a dude suit, sure. But I would still feel like somebody's looking at my mouth. I'm going to go sit in the car. <laughs> you get warped and weird as you keep living. As
2: you keep living but also if you're any if you're in any kind of entertainment and some people know who you are, it is strange. You 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 start kind of get you start kind of getting like a slightly paranoid about dumb things. Even if no one in a restaurant knows who you are, you sometimes just feel like Oh, did that person just see me like pick a steak chunk out of my tooth? Because I'm not really, you know, and is that weird?
4: One can only hope. <laughs> I'll, uh, one time after a new pornographer show, I was so tired and I think I had just been dumped and I was so bummed out and angry and the sound had been bad and I was like, I just want to go home. I don't want to, you know, inflict myself on anyone. So... When I would leave New pornography shows, like, I have the kind of face no one ever recognizes. They only recognize my hair. So I would put my hair up in this hat and I went out into the street and I was waiting forever in the rain. It was just like a horrible rom-com moment, which is funny because there was no rom whatsoever <laughs> in the scene. But there was a cab in New York. It was raining. It was shitty. And um, finally, I flagged this cab down and it came over to me and this glittering young couple ran out from my show and they stole my cab. Oh. And so I was like they, they and I was like no no no. I was like this is my cab. And they were like no it's not your cab. <laughs> and I looked at the guy and he just shrugged his shoulders because there was two of them and one of me so he could charge them more and oh. I was just like oh fuck you dude. So I was like I don't I felt the curtain come down and a switch flip inside me. And I took the woman by the arm and I'm like, great, where are we going? And I got in the cab with her and I had my hand on her arm and I felt my body turning into like this weird knobby tree creature. And they were going, oh my God, you're so, you're so psycho. And then I just realized these people were just at my show looking at my face for like an hour.
2: And they had no... Did you ever then, reveal yourself?
4: It was me all along! No, I didn't. I got out... I backed out of the cab slowly. I'm like, you're gonna go to jail, dude. You're gonna go to jail. You gotta go home and, like, ball over a toilet. You don't <laughs> need to ball over the jail toilet in front of other people right now. <laughs> the hole in the ground. So I had to, like, back out like a like a mongoose surrounded by a couple cobras or something. There's well, only one of me. Cause see- Later, I will meet you on the battlefield, glittering young couple. <laughs> And I will destroy you. But right now, I'm going to crawl back to my hotel room and embarrass myself to myself near the basin of a toilet, near the base of a toilet. It's it's, it's with like some one M&Ms of those rare. It's
2: one of those rare times where the mongoose gets nipped by a snake, and it's yeah. like, all right, not today. But you know, I'm going to come back and murder you.
4: This mongoose was bald and humiliated, but. This mongoose went to the toilet basin and then sharpened its little fangs. <laughs> and it's just fucking waiting. I'm waiting in the shadows. I can't believe this. <laughs> you know, the amazing thing is that th-
2: that couple will live their entire lives and never know that they were in a cat. And I'm I'm actually kind of surprised.
4: We have to rush home and make love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick, I'm Nico Case inspired us so in much park. at this
2: new pornographer show. But then this weird lady got in the cab and ruined it.
4: Exactly what happened. <laughs> but you were the weird lady. You like you were the I one inspiring the them. Lady.
2: You could have taken your hair down and be like you were like, Oh, I noticed you were just at the and then they would have completely given you whatever you wanted.
4: No, they would have gotten weirder. You think so? Oh yeah. Can we take a Pega? Well, I also recently leaned down to tell a young woman to put her phone away and you know when you're at a concert and you have to kind of put your hand over someone's ear so they can hear what you're saying. Yeah, I was like, you got to put the phone away or you're going to have to leave because yeah. I've asked you three times. And she was like, okay. And I was like, thank you. Later that night, I got a tweet from someone. Nico Case physically and verbally assaulted my friend. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this kid is a kid, underage. Um, I had to touch the side of her head with my hand so she could hear me. So yeah, I could have totally gone to jail for like assaulting someone.
2: Maybe, but I also sort of feel like if you had assaulted someone she would during have fucking your show, deserved
4: it. After I told her to put it, <laughs> yes, and she was she was doing the thing where she's filming me and laughing as I'm telling her to stop. Oh right, and I'm like, all right, dude, I'm. Um, it's funny because I didn't swear, and as I was telling her. I was kind of telling her like I was like the hall monitor, right? And she was in third grade. I was like, "Okay, sweetie, you got to put the phone down and you need to go out there now because that is against the rules." Yeah, like, very measuredly, and, uh, and I was like, was a... and in, in my mind, I was also going, "Damn, you're not swearing. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think you've made some progress. Like that's kind of amazing." Like, and uh, then re- later I realized, if
2: you had physically assaulted really someone during a show, that would have been a bigger news story.
4: It, it- would have been bigger, but. I had no desire to do that. I seriously just wanted to say, just fucking put that thing away, man. Yeah. But it was physical and verbal assault.
2: Does it bother you? Does it bother? I know. I know there are the rules and it's just irritating right off the bat when people feel like, oh, the rules don't apply to me. Like that's irritating right off the bat.
4: That's what the iPhone. does. When it's in your hand, you're like, fuck it. I am in control here. I mean, they
2: mean everyone else, but not me. I mean, I can do this. So for you, is it that you don't want video of your shows getting out into the world or is it just like you know, could you please just enjoy the show like a human being instead of...
4: It's mostly that. It's mostly just the people behind you paid 30 bucks to be here and all they can see is your screen and that guy's screen and that guy's screen. It's dark in here. Yeah. And, you know, people are really fucking passive aggressive and they will not tell the person next to them. They'll just complain about it on social media later. That's how I know this. And I know it from going to shows, you know, trying to see Adamant in all of his glory and I'm freaking out. And there's like for people in front of me standing there who don't give a shit that the show's happening, but I can see their phones and I can't see him. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of a drag. Yeah. You know, and then then there's the part of me that's like, I get really nervous when people point cameras at me. I've always hated it. I've always, like, I kind of don't mind if people just snap a shot here and there because I know people are excited to come to the show and it's their night too. Totally cool. But people standing there with a camera pointed at you is really unnerving, especially because people don't realize that on most of these smartphones, the focus is a fucking laser that goes in your eye. (laughs) So it's like they're pointing it at you. There's a laser in your eye and you're like, I just forgot the words to the important part of the song that the people paid $30 to come and see. So that's not fucking cool. So as quality control for my own rock show for the people who paid money to get there, I also have to take a hard line on that. Like the people don't enjoy this. And I fucking hate it, and it makes me kind of, kind of aggressive at a certain point. Well, it's like you're not, re- you're not really fucking over the man here by taking a shitty picture of, or a video of me. Right now, like you're not really standing up for your rights, and fucking American flags are flying everywhere thanks to you. It's more like you're just kind of shitting on people's night.
2: Well, I think it's also more. The intention is also. A little selfish some of the times because it's, it's like, oh, you're not enjoying the show now because you want to put this somewhere where people will tell yeah. you how rad you were for taking that video, which you may not even ever watch. So you really missed a lot of the show and you're not even really watching the video. So yeah. why, why did you come here?
4: Exactly. And it's like we just drove 13 days to be here. Um, a lot went into making this show happen. A lot. And a lot of people worked really hard to get us here, even though it seems like a simple rock show. You know, it it is a lot of work and the production costs are really high, especially because the price of gas is like twice as high as when I first started touring. Right. And I have, you know, three times as many people on the road with me. So, you know, if you just do that math, you're like, oh, yeah, that's really fucking expensive. Um, but if you want to keep your band working and your little tiny mini economy inside the economy going, you know, you you try to do a good job, but you still have to give a shit if someone's just acting like... I don't know. It's not a petting zoo, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think people really understand that the economics of touring really – the margins are pretty slim, especially if you have a big band Mm. because it just costs – and then you know if you're touring especially if you're if you're touring like union houses everything costs there's a charge for everything yes. and so you, just to turn on the lights it's like oh well we're pl- you know you're playing a bigger theater but it costs like 20 grand just to turn the lights on exactly. and let people in the door like right off the bat Exactly. And then so on top of that then you you know you pay the band and you know mm. you, there, there was a theater once where I asked for a projector and they're like okay well that'll cost you a $1000 and I'm like what do you do you need to go rent one? No, we have it, but it's just a charge that we. we like...
4: It's locked in the audio closet, and we're gonna have to get the AV guy in here, and he's not here today. Yeah, there's all kinds of weird stipulations, like <laughs> do not walk across the stage while it's dark, or there will be a five hundred and twenty-five dollars fee for working. <laughs> crazy. Just crazy shit that you would never expect to hear. So you got to work around that too. Yeah, and you're like, ooh.
2: Yeah, and then <laughs> Good you know times. That's why it's. Uh... You know when it can seem like, oh, you're you're so much more successful. You're playing a bigger venue than the last time. And You go, yeah, but I think I actually made a little bit of money the last time because then the jump up, yeah, you can actually start losing money exactly if you know because you, obviously you know you don't want to charge your fans like two hundred bucks a ticket.
4: No, and I want to make sure that the merch isn't like fifty dollars for a t-shirt. Yeah, that's some bullshit right there. So, you know.
2: But again, a lot of venues You want will people to like, know
4: you're thinking about them. A
2: lot of venues will take like 30% of exactly. your merch. So that's which, that's why they're expensive.
4: Exactly, which I never agree to. Never let them do that. If you're in a band, never let them do that.
2: You can say no.
4: You can't, but I do. It's like you want the show or not.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you can do that. There's that's that. good.
4: That and that often happens or if, And this is something that they don't want you to say because it'll it breaks precedent, but sometimes you can say, "Look, I know that you want to keep this precedent in place because you make a little bit of money this way, even though we don't ask you for a percentage of your beer you sold tonight. Right. So let's do it this way. You give, you can have 5% if you give it to a local charity and you can do it in the name of your company. Oh. And so that works out really nicely. And that way you don't break precedent. And the people who are actually super nice, who work there, who don't even want to be fucking dealing with this or doing this to you because they know it sucks, they'll be like... Got it. Like there's creative ways around everything like that. That's nice. It is nice. Sometimes it isn't nice, but <laughs> mostly it's nice. Or or like if they provide a person to sell your stuff. Like, yeah, you should pay them for that. Absolutely. Like that's that's a totally reasonable thing. But usually we have our own person, so we don't we don't got into that kind of God. holdover mafia theater shit. Traveling with the
2: traveling with the band and having to recreate a specific sound every night in a basically when you have a half a day to put it all together <laughs> sounds so stressful to me. And, well, you and get in the swing and then it's it pretty
4: fun. It's if you feel like you feel like you literally live like a pirate in a movie. <laughs> like there's swearing and dirty talk and delightful sexual harassment <laughs> and <laughs> you know. You're definitely. It definitely feels like you're in a gang, but we're like a super polite gang, and uh, we definitely like to get things by being nice to people, not by you know throwing our weight around or trying to be you know the alpha male in at alpha male school of business for future stockbrokers in 1983.
2: Yes, greed is good.
4: Greed is good. Handshake.
2: Fuck the other guy before he has a chance to fuck you.
4: Palm on top, squeeze hard. Like it's just like the first. It's it's such an. Obvious, reading the art of war. Yeah, it is such an obvious bluff that just makes everybody. Yeah, you
2: know you got to butt fuck those people before exactly. Like, All right, you it's know. just like
4: farts coming out of your eyes <laughs> at someone. People are immediately just like you're not only uh, repelling me right now, but I. You know, people, I can tell how dumb you are will in help this you moment. out if you
2: ask them. You know, you don't have to butt fucking eye fart at them. Like you could just, exactly. you could just talk to people. And it's totally Please
4: out. works pretty good. Totally okay. Works pretty good. What
2: is your What is your favorite part of a show? Like, is it is it the minute when you come out on stage and you feel the instant? Ah, or is it the end? Or is it a middle? Or like what? What What do you look forward to the most?
4: I think I'm usually pretty excited, like around song three or four. When you're like, okay, the sound system seems to be holding together. Okay, I got a good monitor sound. All right, clearly the band are happy. They're chuckling behind me. That's good. Um, maybe Hogan will say something to me that's funny. Or you, you get a chance to like find super adorable people in the audience who are having a good time or get excited about a certain song, and that's kind of when it gets really fucking cute. Yeah. And then you're like... All right. Yeah, that's the great part. Or, you know, if you fuck something up and you laugh about it and everybody else laughs too and they like it, they're there for you. They have your back. It's Well, nice. also,
2: I think, I think those moments are better because if everyone wants to hear a perfect version of the song, they have the album. They can hear a perfect version of the mm-hmm. song, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason that people come out to a show and I think also the reason why it's very difficult to televi- to shoot these types of things It's because it's such a communal experience and it's Mm -hmm. such an intimate experience. And so if you fuck something up or if something like that's your special moment that you guys created as a group and everyone feels like they're a part of this thing together. If
4: I'm finger banging you and you're feeling it, don't get your fucking iPhone out to check a text in the middle because I've been working for years on my technique and I need you to be there with me.
2: You just lean and...
4: Nico Case finger bang my friend and then yelled at her? Oh, don't even let that go to air because we're going to jail.
2: Oh, no. Why would we? We're not I going I don't know. We're not going to go to You're jail.
4: You're not allowed to make jokes about finger banging, I guess. it's The audience is consensually finger banging me back as I finger bang them, etc. So it's... Et cetera. <laughs>
2: So it's a two way. There's a, a warm glow
4: over the room.
2: There's a finger bang dialogue happening. Yes, it's a little bit of you come here and you come here.
4: Our communal fingers kind of make the swing see that is the grasslands together.
2: Yes, and then picture
4: it. It's beautiful.
2: <laughs> and then by the end of the show, just full blown scissoring, just full blown. You and the audience scissoring mm-hmm. together in a cacophony it's like, it's of music. It's like all
4: those scenes in movies of, you know, in the orgy where things have been happening for a few hours and everyone's kind of like drinking absinthe and hanging around partially disrobed. <laughs> what movie is this? Eating. All kinds of movies. Uh, you
2: don't mean literally. You mean...
4: Literally all kinds of movies, like the orgy scene okay, where like Caligula, partway through. Okay, I'm
2: out. What other orgy? Cali-
4: well, Caligula isn't really that movie. I, I think... I notice that every time I watch Titus, like everyone's kind of worn out and they're like, we're still at the orgy. I think I was watching something like Penny dreadful the other day and everybody was perfectly artfully arranged in the orgy moments. Like there were stage directors at the orgy. I mean, literally there were cause it's a TV show, but you know, you actually, you suspend your disbelief for that shit and it's, it's fun.
2: I mean, I, first of all, I, I've not seen Penny dreadful and I feel like I should watch it cause you know, I like a good anthology show. But is it worth watching? Did you like do you like it?
4: I'm just so into Eva Green. I don't really care what anyone else does. Oh, Eva, yeah, she's Eva amazing. Green is so she's like the she's like this super babe, but she is so ex- excited to be like as ugly as she can possibly be. She's like the Amy Sedaris of Europe she's like I cannot wait to be every character that ever was and scrunch up my face and pee all over the front of my nightgown like take take me there well the other thing about I, I need to express and I need to do it now put some blood and poop on my face because I'm ready
2: <laughs> Mr. Bond uh, I, I think the thing about her that I love the most is that she's first of all a phenomenal actress and also fucking crazy smart Mm-hmm. She's crazy smart, yeah. And, but it is kind of funny because she does just have this 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 natural elegance that just cascades off her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moderated a panel for a movie she was in. I think it was the Three Hundred sequel. Maybe it was at Comic Con, and it was just. It, I know that she's super smart, but it was really funny to hear her say, "Well, I mean, in reality, I'm really just a big nerd." And I, and I just, I think a bunch of people in the audience <laughs> were like.
4: I don't think you are.
2: You know, like even though she might be,
4: did it, a little tear come out of your eye? A little tear came and out of like, my I eye. I love you.
2: Yeah, but she's uh,
4: she could star as a toilet bowl brush <laughs> in a movie and come off as a smart badass doing it. Like <laughs> she just seems like she's she's got her shit together. Like she doesn't she cares hard, but she's like, mm, so be it.
2: Yes, that's such a good attitude to have. I mean, mm. I, I think I'm only just figuring that out now. Instead of getting so caught up in, oh, if I do this, what are people going to, and how's mm-hmm. that going to affect? And like, eh, I don't know. I, hopefully it'll just be fine and mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Are you, do you, are you at that point or are you always at that point?
4: I'm at this weird crossroads because I'm 45, so, and in the entertain, entertainment industry. So I have to get my picture taken a lot. Otherwise, I would never think about that sort of thing. But I sometimes walk around and I see like airports are a great place for this. You see ladies who've had a lot of cosmetic surgery. Yeah. And I saw a guy the other day who was obviously getting those like chemical peel burn off treatments that take off pieces of your face kind of. And I I just it makes me so sad. Well, yeah, because I just feel so depressed and I'm just like there there is probably nothing there's nothing wrong with you.
2: I know, but everyone's do got that. their own issues. I just, I just hope that I don't go through a thing ever. Because now I, I go well. I'll just, yeah, I'm gonna get older, and I'll just, I'm gonna look different, and I don't, because especially when guys do it, I don't know. There's this weird thing where the surgery doesn't even. It's not that it makes you look better. It just morphs everyone into these weird animated fuck dolls. Like they just, that they just kind of have that weird.
4: I don't want to change my body for HD. <laughs> do you ever do you ever see that thing where, like the other day, I was watching TV like one in the morning after some show, and I was like, "Oh, hello, trucker movie starring Patrick Swayze." Yeah, how you doing? And it was that movie Black Dog with him and a, uh, uh, Randy Travis. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously made way before HD, but the channel I think it was what was it, AMC, is it HD or something? So it's like you could see every little (laughs) pore on poor uh, Patrick Swayze's face and like all the makeup over top of it, and Randy Travis's terrible stuck-on beard. But I Ah. know it didn't look like that at the time because it wasn't broadcast in HD or something, so I'm like, oh, well, that's a bummer. I like HD for nature shows, but it's not really nice to people at all.
2: No, no, and no. And I feel
4: fucking ripped off that we are now using horrible fluorescent lights for everything. I feel I'm pretty young looking for 45, but it's being stolen from me by the <laughs> fluorescent fucking closet bulb. And I'm like, Do you know, I've lived very clean all these years.
2: It's Come so, on. It's so hard to get, it's so hard when someone, uh, you know, they're watching something in HD and then someone says something, you know, sort of like, well, you look pretty tired. And you're like, it's the lighting. I swear it's the lighting. Cause if it hits you in a certain way, it looks like you have more under your eye, you know. But you, you then you just sa- and then I know I just sound like a complete narcissistic freak where they're like, first of all, they go, yeah, it's the lighting. And then, second mm. of all, why would you care that much? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I, to me, that's one of the worst things you can say. Because
4: I'm healthy. Yeah, I'm fine. You I'm know, I so work hard. I'm still fertile and young and dewy and all that stuff. <laughs> which I really am. But and you know, honestly, I don't really care if the rest of the world feels that way. As long as I find one person who thinks I'm super fuckable till I'm ninety, it's okay. <laughs> but at the same time, like it's just ingrained in you. Like, oh and does anyone like pictures of themselves? anyone in the world maybe probably not
2: I don't think so because you always the good news is this whatever you zero in on unless you have an undeveloped twin sprouting off the side of your head is probably like when people look at you Mm -hmm. when you look at other people you usually just see them as a single image like but whatever you focus on the mirror you're like oh my god I have this weird thing and everyone's gonna like most of the time people Mm -hmm. don't they Mm -hmm. don't notice that shit or they don't really care
4: but what I want to know is, why do we need HD for movies that aren't like because 300? Because it sounds because more expensive. I'm not a fucking Falcon. I don't need to see it that good.
2: <laughs> well, I Falcons don't... don't need HD because their eyes are really good. That's so exactly
4: are... <laughs> what I'm saying, Chris. I don't need to see fucking Bradley Cooper That's a in HD a f- ever. A falcon,
2: A Falcon could never watch Black Dog because they, would, even in its original form, they'd be like, I can see the makeup I know. I know. and the beard.
4: I know that I don't want to eat Bradley Cooper from here. Blurry. I don't need to see him in HD.
2: It is puzzling, but I think it's-
4: I've had 3 mice this morning and I don't need that.
2: <laughs> I don't I, I like this idea of the exasperated falcon. I've I've had 3 mice, you know, I was but I I'm gorging on mice. I'm what? just I'm just shame eating these mice.
4: Yeah, and is it is it is are we making television way more crispy than the human eye is even capable of noticing oh yeah
2: oh yeah when they're like 4k television 8k television like it's just you know when you look at the resolution on you know when then you're this this camera it's Mm -hmm. it shoots you know it's a 14 million pixels. you're like i don't but
4: you can't but then like somebody's 12 and you're like that's a lot of makeup on that 12 year old yeah. Just make them feel kind of weird, you know?
2: Well, the kid looks tired, you know. We gotta, yeah. gotta make him look good for television. It is. I think there are some shows that, you know, they should just leave alone. Yeah. But it's because especially like when you buy old movies on iTunes and they're like in like, oh, you could buy this movie in HD. Like, but it wasn't shown on HD. Mm-hmm. Why do I why wouldn't I just buy it in a smaller standard def file size? Why do I need to try to
4: yeah, See or if you're gonna watch something accepted. on your computer, I, I've done that accidentally. I've accidentally bought HD, and I'm like, I just bought Adventure Time, a two-dimensional cartoon in HD. Like, I don't really know what that's gonna sharpen up for me between HD and no, SD. like do it doesn't is, make any sense.
2: You're gonna, you know, it's gonna be like a gig-sized file, and then I'm never
4: gonna watch it bigger than this. So it's like it's <laughs> never gonna be corrupted whatsoever. But I just paid you know, $12 more for that. It doesn't make any sense.
2: You know, I wonder if there's going to be, I wonder if there's going to be a point where uh, there's going to be a device where you can take, that's almost like an electromagnetic pulse or something that disengages, something that turns off, you know, portable electronic devices. So when you go to a show, you could turn it on and it would basically like make everyone's, I wonder if people would go fucking bananas if that happened. If you could, if you could deactivate everyone's devices, but just, just during a show.
4: I really want that.
2: There has to be something.
4: I really want that. So, if somebody could make that who's listening right now, that'd be great. Or if even I also want vampire vision, where we have a TV show where it's just like the news, but you can see through everybody's bodies and see their hearts beating and stuff. <laughs> and I think to myself, if I was a falcon or a vampire, which one of these people would I eat? That's a great. Who looks healthiest inside?
2: Oh my gosh, who does look healthiest inside? Do you like news people who looks healthiest?
4: Or just people on TV? I'd be like, mm, not bad. I don't know. I feel like there are some people. Re- it's not about sexy, it's about who looks most nourishing.
2: Who looks, yeah, who looks the least like caviar?
4: Yeah, like, haven't you thought that on a plane before? Like, okay, if we crash, who would I eat? Because I, I would feel bad about that, but I don't mind if anyone eats my flesh if I die. I'm pretty. I don't smoke or anything. I probably taste okay.
2: <laughs> you eat a lot of organic tomatoes.
4: I do, but I also eat artificially colored sour candy when I'm in the wrong mood. So
2: oh, so you'd be you'd be sweet.
4: I could be a cancer puck for all you know. <laughs> you don't even. People, <laughs> I don't know.
2: Well, that's sort of the risk. Like, look, eat me, but at your own risk.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's up to you. You can have it. Mm-hmm. I can't guarantee what's going to happen. I sort of like there are some people that I imagine like. You know, I don't think I'd want to eat Charlie Rose. I feel like Charlie Rose would be a little chewy. But what
4: if he's like brisket? Oh. What if he's just delicious and like has been soaking in like brown sugar and scotch or something and he's just fucking tender and delicious?
2: I don't know. I feel like he'd be, at best, I feel like he'd be a a mildly flavored pork rind. I don't know if he...
4: Well, who would you eat (laughs) that's
2: famous? Um... Let's see. Oh, that's a really good question. I
4: think I'd go straight for children first of all.
2: Well, the tenderest meat, like the yeah. veal,
4: the veal of people.
2: Sure, you would. Sure, you would. You, Which ones
4: aren't really contributing? Start with those. <laughs> you gotta eat. You gotta source them ethically. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> this one not you, doing any homework
4: you never pick up your room
2: <laughs> um, uh. your muscles are
4: tender you oh, don't oh, exercise i'll clean my room, I'll clean my room. <laughs>
2: it's a little too late a little too late for that you know mm-hmm. yeah, i don't know is it the one i mean you know would you really want like a like a marbled you know would you the want girl,
4: the girl that was in um uh true grit she looks like she would be super healthy and she's a really good actress so i probably wouldn't eat her because she's too valuable but she she's she's like kobe child child meat yeah now see (laughs) we can't eat her
2: personally i think you'd want to go i think you'd want to go athletes right because then you'd have the most robust
4: no everybody says stringy like because because they don't ever want animals to get well muscled oh really yeah but isn't
2: that what you're eating
4: yeah well it's too tough if it's well muscled
2: oh i guess that's true
4: I don't I don't agree with that, but
2: so you wouldn't want to have like shack steaks because those would be just to the meat would be too tough.
4: That would be eating like killer whale meat or something.
2: I guess I that would that's just be true.
4: that would just be that would be like eating a tiger steak, and you would just feel like I'm not worthy of this. <laughs> I can't. Predator on predator action is fucked up.
2: There's an ama- there was an amazing picture on Reddit today of an 18 foot crocodile who had a bull shark in its mouth, and it was funny to see like. Predator versus predator, but the look on the shark's face. I mean, normally they're they are just sort of like dead eyed, Uh but it it created this tone in the shark's face. Like, what the fuck? This can happen? Like, he just seems so shocked. Like, no, this is not how this shit's supposed to go down. Like, because his crocodile was fucking monstrous, monstrous, and the shark never. I think the shark just didn't understand, like, oh, this is a thing that... I don't
4: Google unless somebody tells me something like that. But my brain just went, "Mm, (laughs) mmm. You and me later in the hotel, we're going to meet up on this one.
2: Yeah, I I think... Okay, so I'm still trying to think about who I would eat. I think... um, Katie, who would you eat? I'm thinking of actors or news people. I, You know... No, I wouldn't... Do you want
4: to eat someone you hate? Then it'd be bitter. You just want to kill. You just want to, yeah. Like a th- like a good throat rip, like argh, like American <laughs> and Werewolf in London style.
2: I mean, you know what I want to eat? The cast of Game of Thrones. The cast of Game of Thrones look like they'd be pretty tasty. Or
4: you need somebody with really nice skin because they're probably healthy. Fuck. Um, did you watch Game of Thrones? Beyonce. Has really nice skin. I bet she would taste pretty good. I
2: think Beyonce and Jay Z together would take would be like a nice two course. I think that'd be really. I think would be
4: really. They good. do have a baby, Chris. Uh, no. <laughs> That's my rule: no babies. I think, I think you know where I'm going. with This. Wait, what? I think she's a toddler by now. <laughs> we could use that that religious law, like they get they become. Uh, self-aware at seven or something so you can eat them after they're seven after
2: they're seven and
4: they're not contributing
2: yeah and they're not contributing i mean there's a lot i think there's a lot of rules that would have to be put in place so the courts would be like all right you know honestly we're fine with this Mm -hmm. or if you're taping at one of your shows automatically you become food how about that rule
4: no i don't want to eat those people no they're usually pretty sedentary <laughs> Not real stander uppers. Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> you know what people Not real stander uppers. Like, All right, that's fair. I can, I can see the ghost rascal under them, just looking at them in the crowd, filming lazily with their shoulder arms just locked in place. Totally like fair. Dinner, like a TV tray.
2: You, <laughs> you know who I think would actually be really tasty? Who? Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper looks like he'd be really good.
4: Or like a like a venison stew style, kind of Anderson Cooper.
2: Yeah, it's like a, I feel like he'd have a smoky flavor
4: with some heritage peas. Yeah, in, that, a, in a nice brown sauce.
2: Just finishing it off in a mm-hmm. nice way.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I think. I also think uh, Vincent Cartizer, who played Pete Campbell in Mad Men, would probably be pretty tasty. Just like just non those just non on the cheeks. You know,
4: he has. He looks like he would taste like corned beef to me. Do you think so? Yeah, and corned beef always tastes like your. <laughs> trying to hide bad meat with another flavor kind (laughs) of it's like the argument well like don't ever eat chocolate ice cream because chocolate masks every bad flavor
2: oh interesting
4: no offense to the guy who plays pete campbell because he's fucking excellent oh
2: he's amazing but i think he would also be delicious i
4: mean earlier in his career on the show i guess he didn't look so Corn beefed yet. Right. But that was the whole point. They he,
2: aged him on the that show. That he was supposed yeah. to look corned beef. Yeah, so they, they aged him. to
4: aged To the makeup department at Mad Men, I have to give them a, a huge kudos for that.
2: Yeah. I think that's good. I feel like maybe there's one or. You know, I think the cast of Supernatural would be pretty tasty too. Do you watch Supernatural at all? Mm-mm.
4: Well. Joan on Mad Men would have tasted fantastic. Without a doubt. The lady glows. Her skin is fantastic.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Mm. I mean, that would be like, you know, we, we went to – I took my friend Matt for his bachelor dinner. A bunch of us went to Mastro's Steakhouse in Beverly Hills the other night. Mm. Just melt in your mouth. I feel like that would be the experience. Just really yeah. buttery and delicious. I really feel like – I think people would – as long as you're willing to share – other your other people steaks. I don't think anyone would really get upset about it.
4: Mhm.
2: These are all hypotheticals, right?
4: Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> oh, fuck, he would taste good. <laughs> that man has nice skin. Yeah.
2: Forrest Whitaker would taste delicious. Who else? Anyone from the Avengers cast? You think Jeremy Renner would taste really good? Katie's Katie's throwing in throwing in the hat for Jeremy Renner. Throw throw a Renner on the barbie you couldn't
4: terrence howard
2: yes terrence oh, howard Oh,
4: terrence howard would taste good
2: i don't see any reason why we couldn't just we're, go just, we're basically
4: everyone. like in the silence we're just sitting here with our heads cocked and our mouths just, open like huh? Uh, who
2: would who be I? good
4: who would be good it's gonna
2: be weird when i go home tonight and i see my fiance. i'm like honey who would you eat and she's not gonna have any context for this at all
4: but I'm sure she's used to it.
2: <laughs> With me, she probably yeah.
4: just. Uh, you're not going to marry a woman who doesn't just answer that question, right?
2: I think she would just answer the question yeah, too. See, there you go. I think she would just answer the question because she's a very much a carnivore. She very much likes meat.
4: Well, if she answered that question, that's why you put the ring on it, friend. So, and
2: and now we're back to Beyonce.
4: Now um, we're back to Beyonce.
2: I feel like anyone who's still listening to this uh, needs to pipe in on the thread on the website and let us know who you think would be delicious.
4: Mm-hmm. This, isn't a se- this is way. not a sexy question.
2: No, served up anyway. This up is any not way. a fetish
4: question. It's who looks like they have healthy and delicious meat to eat Yeah, on them.
2: And who looks like they're, you know, because if you're a smoker or if you drink too, it's just like it's going to make the meat. Yeah, like here. I
4: don't want to eat Harry Dean Stanton, even no. though I love Harry Dean Stanton.
2: Yeah, no. I feel like that would just that would that would just sort of be like eating uh, old cotton. It would just be like, blah, blah, blah. like I don't think it would, would be
4: like eating a cigarette filter, maybe, <laughs> which I've done by accident. No, yeah, I got a cigarette filter that wait for it had been smashed under a boot because <gasps> you could see the little sidewalk pebbly imprint on the cigarette butt but it was in a piece of pizza in toronto where the it was under the cheese oh no i seriously had it in my mouth i didn't swallow it but no it was gross so i feel like i know what it would be like to be served a bit of harry dean stanton now no offense to harry dean stanton because i i think he's a really great actor too
2: he is fantastic not not to put you on the spot but do do i look delicious I am yeah. wearing TV makeup right now.
4: Yeah, but you'd be like having kind of like, I'd say pheasant.
2: <laughs> so you think I'm think, gamey?
4: No, pheasant's not gamey at it's all. It's not? It'd be between like, you'd be between like Cornish game hen and pheasant. Okay, you know what? I'm but okay not, with that. But you're not as small as a Cornish game hen. That's why I went with pheasant.
2: Pheasant, that's a respectable size yeah. pol- uh, bird. It's a
4: it's a sweet poult,
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm I'm comfortable with that.
4: Yeah, and they're really great at um, eating ticks. If you have a farm out there and you need game birds that eat ticks, there you go. Do you have pheasants on your farm? Oh, I'm about to, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this
2: place is going to be oh. shitty with pheasants by the time.
4: That's
2: what I'm so. I am so. I don't know why I have an irrational fear of Lyme disease, just an irrational fear of it.
4: I don't know. what. Well, it's not really, I know a lot of people with Lyme disease and it's not really irrational because people get it a lot and it's just totally disabling in a lot of ways and ruins people's lives. So. And
2: you may not know you have it for a while. And if you can catch it in time they can. you can be okay. But if you don't yeah. You just are...
4: But if you... I mean, if you don't, there's still good treatment out there. There, there are treatment
2: options out there. But yeah, but I think it's just that being attacked by a tiny invader that you don't aren't aware of.
4: It's fucking gross. Yeah. Is what it is. But in
2: Vermont, they have that It's up like there. a
4: horror movie. Oh, yeah. I have a... I was looking at a scar on my clavicle yeah. today from a tick that I got like, I don't know, two months ago, which... Happened on, like, the sketchiest night of my life at my own house, which I didn't think was possible, like, in my idyllic countryside. I went for a bike ride, and I was like, oh, God, this is so great. I'm done cleaning the hay out of the hayloft. I feel all brawny and manly. I'm going to go for a bike ride and just put it over the top. Like, look at those clouds. Maxfield parish. He wasn't lying with a single stroke of his brush. I'm going out there. So I go out and I'm literally, literally wearing a tank top and like a pair of shorts and a pair of shoes. And I have this bike, no, no light there. You can, there's no cell phone reception. So I didn't take it. I didn't take a flashlight. I didn't take any water. Cause I was just going for an hour. And I knew I would be back. So I went out on this little bike ride and I was already done. And I was like, oh, it's so beautiful still. I'm going to continue my bike ride. So I decided to go down this road that I thought I knew. um, But the road has the same name, at both forks that go in a fork. You know, like, so you don't know which one you're taking. And I'm like, oh, I know this. And so I ended up like 12 miles from my house And I noticed that the clouds are coming in, much like today. And I'm like, fuck, I don't really know where I am. And I'm like, well, I'm in Vermont. I'm just going to go up to somebody's house, and I'm going to ask, and they'll probably just give me a ride home because they're that nice. Because people are always worried about you. So I asked some people, and they're like, oh, no, you missed it. Oh, that's far. (laughs) I'm like, okay, great. So I ride like another six miles, and I'm like, There's big hills and I'm like exhausted and the mosquitoes are coming out, which is bad. And so I rode up to this little farmhouse on the edge of the road and there's an old guy in there with what looks like some sort of fire department kind of stuff going on. So I'm like, okay, fucking thank God I got a real Vermonter here. They will totally like carry me over their head with a lantern strapped to their forehead and give me a sandwich. That's how nice they are. So I walk up and the guy's like, oh, no, you're so far from that town guess if you go that way you could reach the highway (laughs) on a bike and i'm like holy shit and i'm like well how do i do that and he's like go that way go that way go that it's getting dark and um so i get on my bike and i'm sad and i at least know where the truck stop is that i'm going so i'm like okay and matt will know where the truck stop is because apparently he spent much of his youth near this truck stop all right he would have picked me up and given me a ride. He God would have. Damn it if he wasn't here in Los Angeles Piece of living selfish the high asshole. life. I know. Totally. Anyway, so I get to the truck stop. Like the second I pull up to the truck stop, it's just thundering, lightning, pouring. I'm soaked. I'm basically a nude little claw at this point. I'm like a chicken claw with like kind of exercise clothes on. And I put my bike behind the, the fucking ice machine because I don't have a lock. And I walk in. And the fucking guy who sees me every fucking time I go in there, I'm like, can I please, where's the payphone?" He's like, oh, they went out with the dodo those. I'm like, okay, fuck you, man. (laughs) And so I'm standing there just soaked and freezing and it's the middle of summer. So I shouldn't have been freezing, but it was like, there's only air conditioning in this place. I'm soaking wet. And so he's just like reading his paper and like eating candy. And I'm just like, you fucking (sighs) asshole. I'm like, can I, and I am sitting there, no cell phone. My roommate's gone. His best friend is gone, and I am like, whose fucking phone number do I know? So this story's gone going on way too long. No. But basically, what happens is is I am standing there for a long time, and these two dudes from Brooklyn feel sorry for me, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on?" And I am like, "Oh, just my bike, you know. Uh, I got lost, and then now I am here. Uh, it's did not expect this to happen. Blah blah blah." And they're like, "Well, I'll tell you what." I'm eating dinner with my family over here. It's going to take a while, but I'll give you a ride if you're still here. So I'm waiting there and I go through the phone book. I call people's parents on the phone that I think I've found in the phone book. Nobody answers the phone anywhere because it's like 10 o'clock on a Friday night. So I'm like, fuck. So I stand there for a long time and the guy is still just eating candy and like, "Mm, whatever. I look like some weird prostitute like all i can see is like the no lot lizard sign like flashing on my forehead and people are coming and going and looking at me like ew and i'm thinking i'm trying to add up how much money i've spent at this truck stop in my life that i can't get any help and then finally the dudes come out with their family it's their two brothers it turns out and the guy's wife hates my fucking guts and she's looking at me like he's this slut you're taking home and he's like we'll be back in a minute. Going to drop off the wife and the kid and we'll come get you.
0: Oh! So I'm
4: like, great. They're auto detailers from Brooklyn. And, but you know, these guys are the only people who are willing to help me. And I'm like, great. I don't know anything about you. You reek of cologne and I'm grateful. Thank you. Your wife wants to slip me open with a box knife, but whatever. That's okay. Um, So they go and I can kind of see myself in the door and I, I see like this weird I'm like, how did I cut myself? And I scratch my clavicle and it was just a tick just <sighs> living on my body. And I was like, This is fucking great. So then they so there's the tick, and then they came back and I get in there tiny, weird, like it's not a CRX. It's like whatever kind of fast and furious mobile you would have oh, right. from Brooklyn moving to some weird uh suburb of a suburb in New Hampshire. So I get in the back seat of the car. I'm shivering. They have the bumping system cranked. And they're like, so... And I think the dude's trying to set him up with his brother in the front seat. Like, so, so, no boyfriend or husband to come pick you up is, like, the first question. Oh, which Oh, no. Is like, so, the first thing they do is they turn off onto the dirt roads. And I'm like, great. I actually do know those roads. And so, I'm in the car and we're going around really fast and then really slow and then they're getting lost and luckily I realized that they just wanted to smoke out of their bong while driving me home <laughs> and get super wasted so that was fine. They kept wanting me to smoke pot too but, and they kept kind of being like,
1: well so
4: w- what about your husband or whatever and the other guy's like yeah, yeah my ex, blah blah blah, Facebook and they f- that was the longest story I've ever told but I did get home well, they were and like I would, worse you know what tech. They were so bad, yet so great because they were they were the only people willing to help me, and I, I felt bad for kind of like prejudging them. Like, okay, that's where you're going to dump my body.
2: And you would never, you would never say like, "Have you ever heard of the new pornographers?" You no, would never drop. You would never. No, name No, your... nobody
4: would ever know that stuff, and you don't want to do that. If
2: if it's your only, if if you're looking for a connection point, I mean, like you wouldn't walk into the truck stop and be like, "Nico Case, huh?" fox confessor no they don't no, they like don't. you wouldn't but if you're in a dire state and you're trying to connect with someone they might it might help them understand no, it's
4: it's the thing where you know that there are five people in this county and like you know i'm in here every other day like don't act like you don't know me when i'm freezing and i'm cold and i can't find anyone you know what i mean yeah come on i think you should write a song about those guys i don't think i have to <laughs>
2: okay you have to no. Nope. I have talked to some people. and There are si- some
4: people I hate, but they don't deserve songs
2: written no. about them. All right, then.
4: That's too much intention. Fine. I hope you cut out most of what I've just said, only because I think I just told the most boring story I've It wasn't time, a
2: boring story. Like, I-, I was very it's engaged. It's just that you make me feel comfortable. Well, I appreciate that. I was worried that you died in the story. I wanted to make sure you got home okay. What if you're like... I could have the- died in the story. You could have. There were so many Easily. points. There were many points where you could have died in that story. These
4: dudes... They could have just been traveling through.
2: Well, even just getting to that, st- you know, dry, you know, like biking eighteen miles somewhere to the like. There are many points, many points. And you did you do the tick check to make sure that it wasn't like okay, I don't have the bullseye. Uh...
4: No, it had only been on me for like two hours. I even knew where i had gotten it at that point. They have to be on you for like thirty hours or something. Oh, okay. So I wasn't worried about it. It swelled up all weird, but. Hey, what are you gonna do?
2: You seem fine.
4: I'm fine, except for my Peter Brady voice, which I'm using now. <laughs> puberty is very hard. I have this weird disease where I'm going through puberty every now and again. <laughs> it's called my period.
2: Every now and again.
4: Every now and again, I just go, yeah. Twelve times a year,
2: I go I get my puberty. Well, I, uh, you know, we should probably mention that you have, uh, you have a, a retrospective box set. Yes. should pick up.
4: Yes, I do.
2: Which I have here called Truck Driver, Gladiator, Mule. Mm-hmm. November 13th. Mm-hmm. This is your entire solo discography. Yep. On vinyl. Yep. All eight studio titles. That's
4: right. On vinyl. It's on vinyl. It's on vinyl. There's a book and then there will be another book. Accompanying the book. I At mean, a later date that I choose.
2: Honestly, I... I... I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me, and but you are legitimately one of my favorite artists. And I tell everyone, when they say list your favorite, I put uh, you see me, I tweet at you sometimes, like, oh, I... Li-. And every album is like its own experience and its own story. And I know that's what an album is supposed to be, but legitimately with you, every album has its own vibe and thing and story, and there's a thing to it. And, and I really... They are albums that I, I don't cherry pick songs. I could listen to them start to finish and each. Oh, and this song. Oh, and I really like this song too. So, I
4: miss experiencing records that way.
2: It's do you not get to anymore, or do you just don't?
4: Well, it's just I get most things digitally because that's what happens. I live in the middle of nowhere, you know. There's not like an independent record store next to my house, so I I do do that. I do buy vinyl and CDs and whatnot when I'm out and about, but I I don't I don't really get the chance to do that anymore either. Um, yeah i i I like that
2: i was was just gonna get a record player like an old-timey record player from my house just to sit and have to listen to stuff the way that it was intended
4: yeah well i mean it does we did work really hard to make it sound in a way that you know if you were a stoner with a huge disposable income and you had an amazing stereo system in 1975 like it would sound sweet in the cans. <laughs> the stereo imaging would go right through your skull, in and out, like a pong, like pong, mm-hmm. just back and forth. It would be beautiful. And, you know, the dudes who actually know how to really do that shit from that era actually had a lot to do with all these recordings. So they know what they're doing, and it will sound good like that.
2: Um, are, you, are you going on tour anytime soon?
4: Uh, I think... Well, we did a show yesterday in San Francisco at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Fest, and so we're kind of on tour. Hopefully there will be more later, but I kind of got to make another record too. But I have to say, um talking about social media and all that other stuff, like I kind of miss rareness. And so with the box set I didn't put behind the scenes things so much as just snippets of things. Mm-hmm. Like in the book I don't I don't like it when everything is filmed. I don't like it when every single part of the recording process, or process is photographed or filmed. or But I tried to put in lots of things that are like photos or little images that were happening during that time because I, I miss rareness. Remember when you didn't know everything about the artists? Like There were pictures on the records, there were liner notes, and there were videos sometimes. But there were still radio, so your imagination had so much more to do with what you were listening to in a way.
2: You got to write the story.
4: Yeah. And you still can with the songs themselves, but you know, it's like the, you know, check out the Vogue behind the scenes of session of Of this. Behind
2: the scenes session.
4: Yeah. It's, it's kind of overkill and that that's another reason why I I don't want people filming the show or what have you.
2: Keep it special.
4: It's just not, that yeah that and it's like it's just not all that interesting and i also think that if aliens see the cloud content they're just going to be like humans think they just shit gold <laughs> <laughs> this is the most arrogant race of creatures like why would
2: they put all of why would they commit all of that
4: i'm just as guilty i'm like well i can't I, I'm really pack right. I can't throw away like the different test runs of how we decided to try different filters on some photo of what have you. You know, I'm like, oh, but look at the look at the procession or I don't know what, but it's the shitting gold problem there, I guess.
2: Well, in the old days, yeah, you actually had to create the look using mm-hmm. the world and lighting. now. Yeah. You're just digital. Yeah. So it's all it's. Uh, the Virginian, Furnace Room Lullaby, Canadian Amp, Blacklisted, The Tigers Have Spoken, Fox Confessor Brings the Flood, Middle Cyclone, the worst, the worst things get the harder I fight, the harder I fight, the more I love you, which is what you were the last time you were here. Yes, that was that, mm-hmm. and then an eighty-page full-color photography book of not everything, but enough cool stuff.
4: Well, there, the, what I realized with that is there was I had so much stuff that it wasn't going to fit in that book, so I will make another one as well. Where there will be more writing in it, which is what I'm kind of working on now. But then I'm like, you're not a writer, dude. You got to make a record. You got to. So, yeah. Gonna, Option anxiety.
2: I'm going to come to Vermont and eat a fucking tomato. I want. I want.
4: Don't make me like people have pictures of their babies on their phones. I got pictures of my tomatoes on my phone. I'm not kidding. <laughs> the Cherokee Purples. They were fine this year.
2: Really? Mm. So there's a lot of different strains of tomatoes.
4: Yeah, there's all the old heirloom varieties, and they just taste so good.
2: Can you just eat a tomato like an apple?
4: Could oh you just, yeah,
2: you really could just snack on. Oh them like yeah,
4: this? the flavors are so complex, and you know, most people I know say that they never had a tomato that didn't taste like styrofoam until they were in their 30s, unless they grew up on a farm because you know supermarket tomatoes are just all blech, yeah mealy red mush that you put on a burger
2: listen i'm in i you, i'll come over you know, and have a tomato
4: you're welcome anytime well i mean you got to come over if i have the tomatoes i guess because you'll have <laughs> to you it's going to be about 8 more months chris
2: you said uh <laughs> where's my fucking tomato you said now Stop i just
4: looking at the tomato it won't ripen
2: now all we have to eat is this Charlie Rosebush, guys. That was a. Bad.
4: Oh, I
2: know. I'm sorry. I,
4: he's he might taste okay.
2: I don't know. Again, I think with him it could be a little like jerky soaked in. Uh, drambuie. A, a, yes, jerky soaked in a drambuie sponge. Like it was just submerged in drambuie. blackberry liqueur. You probably get a little buzz. He's probably a Charlie Rose is probably a dessert meat. <laughs>
4: I, totally, I bet he is a dessert meat. He's
2: kind of a dessert meat. I, listen, I want you to come back whenever you want to come back. If you're ever playing in Los Angeles.
4: Have me back all the time. I promise to never tell a boring story like my Your story, story wasn't boring. It was it a harrowing tale
2: of someone who was attacked by nature. Well, it was like and, a
4: movie. You really can walk board. out your front door and totally screw yourself over and end up being carved open by a couple of dudes who want to make your skin into a football. And it- You never know. <laughs> But luckily, they're just dudes who maybe want to drink a couple Midori rum balls, melon balls, and like have uncomfortable sex with you in a public men's room. (laughs) And you could get Lyme disease (laughs) from the dude. But yeah. yeah. But then you also have pneumonia from being soaked in the rain
2: the joke's on you tick i just gave you hpv like he's giving the tick back a disease <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you give me live disease i give you hpv tick how you like that huh yeah And i also like the story that you know it was just
4: literally till the last second i was waving goodbye into my house he was like I- is your hu- is your husband or boyfriend home but Bo- both of them <laughs> they're both home
2: and they're both they have tempers.
4: I li- and I couldn't be all feminist and be like, dude, I, I was just like, he's he's away.
2: <laughs> but not for too long.
4: Oh, he's just he's away, he'll be back. Yeah. I didn't quite say it like that. Fortunately he keeps like,
2: tabs on me with the tracking device that I have in my skin. So he's like,
4: all I want right now is a fluffy towel. I'll say <laughs> anything to get it.
2: I just love the idea that like, you know, it was a nice day. I just decided to you know, what a great
4: Um, It was majestic out there. It's
2: one of those days where the intention starts off so good, Mm. and then you're like, when did this go sideways? And fuck this. This is why I don't leave the house.
4: Yeah. And how long would I last in the wild? I ask myself that question all. Like, if people make me angry in public, like assholes at airports or something, you know, who are rude and mean to people, I'm like, they'd last about two days in the wild. (laughs) <laughs> and that makes me happy instead of going you're a fucking dick and like making things worse I just think how long 2.6 days in the wild and then I'm like ah.
2: and then it makes you feel better
4: yeah and then but then I went and did that and I'm like dude you kind of maybe aren't the boy scout you think you are
2: so remember the next time you steal someone's cab and they get into it with you that could be Nico Case
4: and I, I might bite you savagely on the face yeah <laughs> And I, I probably will go to jail for it, but you're going to be the person with the weird, you know, crescent, crescent moon face scar of perfectly shaped tiny teeth.
2: Courtesy of Nico Case.
4: They'll be like, what beautiful statuesque woman bit you on the face? They'll just be able to tell by this, the shape of the bite.
2: Those are really perfect. That is, those are perfect bite marks. Yeah, those are legitimately perfect bite marks.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You gotta watch. Uh, you don't have to do whatever. You don't have to do anything. You don't want to do. This is a great show that I keep telling people about called Homicide Hunter.
4: Homicide Hunter.
2: It's a real. It's a. It's a. Oh, it's a cop. I
4: already like it.
2: It's a. Co- it's on Investigation Discovery. I think we're gonna get him on the podcast. It's a cop named Joe Kenda. He's an old he's – he's probably in his 70s now and he was, a, he was a homicide detective in Colorado Springs in the early 90s and the 80s and the 90s and it, they're just all stories about he – he solved like 400 homicides. There were so many homicides and he solved like 400 homicides in every episode. He's kind of narrating and, and the reenactments are really good but he's just sort of narrating how he solved the case.
4: Back in the day, you could walk out your front door and solve a homicide. (laughs) People were just (laughs) dropping like flies everywhere around you.
2: Oh, that guy did it. Oh, fuck that guy. Saw you in
4: my rear view. You did it. So
2: I think you will enjoy that show.
4: Homicide Hunter. Homicide
2: Hunter with Lieutenant Joe Kenda.
4: Can we make a cop show? Yeah. Where we just hang around in the office?
2: Yep. Yep. Hardwick and k-, k- we'll call it case closed. Nico Nico K. Case closed.
4: Oh, I've never heard that one before. Wait a
2: minute, what? <laughs> Any joke that you could ever think of with someone's name. Yeah. They've never heard of one. <laughs> I trying.
4: To... No, no, I didn't. I thought I stumped someone the other day, but I didn't.
2: Stump someone how?
4: Um of all the things that little kids think are mean. To call each other. When I was a kid, it always was about being gay. Yeah. Like every single one. Sure. And any name, yeah, it was it was wrong. But that's how it went.
2: In the old days. Mm-hmm. Back in the old...
4: Back in the 70s and Back 80s. Back in the 70s and the 1900s.
2: I've just started saying the 1900s. Yeah. And
4: fucking... I made a joke about our steel player being so old that he was using hide glue to fix something on the stage, <laughs> nobody laughed. What? You I mean was at, at the fucking show? angry. Yeah. You know,
2: I think your audience needs to understand how fucking funny you are and if they don't like it, they can fuck off. If
4: they, if they don't want to laugh about his fucking trench warfare experience and his hide glue skills, then
2: they are too, I they don't are need them. too much time filming your show with their iPhones and not Go enough time. Go
4: get Brazilians, guys.
2: All of you. Wax... It's, Wax your Just p- go
4: get Brazilians and make selfies.
2: Just rip out that hair from puss to butt. Just Get rid of it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, what's that? What's that gross English one like from soup to tits or something?
2: Uh, e- uh, oh,
4: Oh, so gross.
2: Yeah, I think it's something like that. I don't know. One of them. Our-
4: you know who you need to have on your show? Who is Sally Timms okay. from the Okay great i think i think she's the funniest person who's ever lived all right i don't know what just made i was thinking english and i was like i saw her yesterday and and i think i actually said i was like god sally you look great because i hadn't seen her on i think she said oh god yes i've lost a lot of weight i hope it's not like a cancer (laughs) and i was just like wow good to see you (laughs) i hope it's not like a cancer no, you then, need to have her on the show. And
2: how are you supposed to respond to that? Uh, it's, 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 no. Um.
4: Uh, well, I know her well enough to to know that. Oh. it's pretty hilarious. Although she probably actually meant it for a second. Well, then I. Oh, so I know. No, I think it's
2: funnier if you respond like, like "Well, that. it might be," you know, like, and then you just walk away.
4: No, nope, she's too canny for that. Okay, I'll have her. Too on. Too canny. She's the funniest person there I'll, is. I'll have
2: on people you recommend. Uh, November thirteenth pick up the discography on vinyl
4: if you want to it's your personal choice
2: yeah no one's gonna force you but fucking no. do it.
4: we worked really hard on the artwork and the mastering we
2: but don't but don't let that sway you you, know, you got stuff to do. it does
4: come with the digital download codes too so it's if you if you're one of those people that's so weird you can't take it out of the package and you just want to look at it you can still listen to it digitally
2: so you have no fucking excuse, but don't let that sway you. No, but let it sway you. I'm a terrible
4: <laughs> salesman for myself.
2: <laughs> I mean, buy this maybe.
4: Oh, uh, if you want.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sure there's other stuff you could do with that money, but don't worry about it. Just pick it up.
4: Only if you really want to.
2: Yeah. But then that would make me want to. Like, oh. See, she doesn't. Don't, it's it's not, not a pity buy. It's not just a pity buy. It if you want it.
4: Yeah. Or it's just my life. <laughs> it's just my life that I gave to you. <laughs> That's why I'm childless and alone on a mountain now.
2: You are, no, you have a lot of children. They you've made you've you've given them you 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 music babies.
4: No, well, my my womb is like <laughs> my womb is a dusty, haunted billiard parlor. <laughs> <laughs> is
2: it full of balls
4: <laughs> no for some reason i just envisioned like the games room on the titanic or something at the bottom of the sea but then it was dusty yeah i was trying to make it as bad as i could in it's my the mind one there for room on like, the titanic mm. that
2: didn't get flooded
4: yes and it's very deserty in there
2: yeah it's just uh, there's yeah. just old there's just old spats inside and lots of weird
4: mm-hmm.
2: gl- uh, just weird opera gloves and mm-hmm. things. and
4: it's kind of like the shining a little also. bit
2: yeah so, anyway, buy the album.
4: My womb is like a dusty men's room on the sh- in the shining.
2: Well, if that's not your next album title, then you are doing something wrong because that is a perfect album title.
4: I think I just admit that. I don't yeah. even think I have to say it or write it on the cover.
2: No, 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 no. No, you need to make that just for the album art alone. The album art behind that would be amazing.
4: Fecund Mother Goddess. <laughs> Oh, yeah. FMG Fung.
2: Coming soon <laughs> to a record player near you. Yes. And digital download. And HD. FD. Good day. FDS. Falcon. <laughs> Feminine deodorant spray. Falcon deodorant spray. <laughs> Falcon deodorant spray. <laughs> Does your Falcon feel that fresh? <laughs>
0: Now leaving Nerdist.com.
3: Enjoy your burrito. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream. So he created Halo Top,